Welcome to the 142nd episode of News Dump, in which we run through the hottest topics in the Lewis County news scene and discuss. I'm local man Aaron Vantile, joined tonight by Chronicle Editor-in-Chief Eric Schwartz and Chronicle Assistant Editor Isabel Vander Stoop, and we're joined in spirit by sponsors Summit Funding and The Roof Doctor. It's Tuesday, May 9th, and folks, where were you when your paper didn't come? <laughs> Breaking a 125-year streak of delivery on time, never once missed. And on Saturday, that's not Cal true. Ripken sat a game <laughs> that's out. 100% not true. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Uh, yeah, I don't know a whole lot other than the sound publishing press malfunctioned. And as always, when there's a malfunction with the paper not arriving, I'm pointing my finger swiftly at the post office, but not the local ones, just the ones outside of our coverage area. Post office Big in post general. Office. Big post office, yes. And uh, anyways, they got it going and they forced the papers out, it looks like, uh, because I won't lie, that was probably the worst printing job I've seen. Did you see? Quite some time. Did the, you see the photos of Gluson and Camp Perez? They uh, looked like uh, nightmares. It was the same <laughs> for the octogenarians on bicycles that oh, you wrote about. And that was sad. the one I feel worst about because they had family members come in to pick up papers. <gasps> and, yeah, yeah, he told me he was buying 15 copies. It, oh, that's that really That was the sad. most messed up page. So I think we're talking about getting a keepsake or something together. Yeah, but we totally should. We're going to get it squared away, though. Yeah. We've got top women on it downstairs. Great. Yeah. Anyway, you guys want to jump into some news items? I did digitize the entire paper. I turned every PDF into an image and threw it up online. People that seemed was, to like it. That That's was good. nice of you, but I was very excited to get my Saturday paper. I went out to the mailbox and... It was a really good one, too. I know. And now it's just going to be a limited edition. Some people got their paper, so if you were yeah. one of the lucky ones, I'm sorry it was did. of such poor quality. It, and if you didn't... Well. Yeah. I thought that mine must have gone to the neighbors like or something, so I asked them if they got theirs. Subscribers get a credit, though, so their subscription just got extended one more edition. Heck yeah. Hell yeah. That's a $2 value, people. Nice. Great stuff. Just making things right all around the world. Uh, First news item, we have a story titled, It Hurts Every Day. Sister of Aaron Christensen speaks out about her brother in the investigation into his death. This is with Natalie Parker, Aaron's sister, and she talks about his life and hobbies. Uh, He was a musician. He worked at a record pressing company. Helped his niece organize a concert tour and generally sounded like a pretty cool dude. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to get into too many of the specifics of this because we've got a lot of stuff to cover, but it was just that I encourage you to go read it. It was a nice story and kind of helps uh, keep his name and everything surrounding his death in the public eye. I think um, one thing I was talking to Emily Fitzgerald, who wrote this story about. Um, last week was, I think she's done a really good job of maintaining that sense of Aaron's humanity throughout this whole storytelling because she has continued to keep in touch with his family and his friends, talked about traits and like who he was to each of those people. And I think um, given that none of us ever met him, it would be really easy to not do that, especially because it's such a big story that we've been covering for so long and it's sort of like the details you know build upon themselves every time and so it would be easy to lose that and I was really moved by this story and the fact that like his sister wanted to have this conversation was really touching 
I think it's good because uh, it started out as a mystery because we weren't getting any information. It became a crime. We find out it's a gunshot wound. Then it's a legal system story, and it's all about whether the prosecutors, and like you just said, it, the humanity gets lost. So I thought this was a really good recentering to talk to someone in his family and just keep it there, too. I thought that was neat. A lot of times we get caught up with sourcing. We want to make sure we get three or four. I thought this was a, a good, unique opportunity to let someone who knew him best or better than most and just talk about him. So, yeah, I agree. It was very good. And we have an update on the Aaron Christensen case. Uh, Report suggests second wound on Buzzo the dog occurred after death. Pretty weird story. Uh, Dr. Brandy Fay recently obtained the dog's body a second time for evaluation. She reported last week that a second wound on the dog, one that was found during uh, Ottoman, the other medical examiner, their examination, but not during Brandy Faye's initial examination, uh, that was thought to be the entrance or exit wound from a pass-through bullet, very likely occurred post-mortem, meaning it was created after the dog died. Pretty curious. Um, it was also curious to Lewis County Sheriff's Office Special Services Chief Kevin Engelbertson, who said, this is the first time hearing of any of this. Uh, he also said, obviously, we're going to now follow up on some things, but I can't comment on why Dr. Faye would have found that or why she would have seen that. She's doing something totally outside of our investigation at this point. And I think it's pretty generous of the sheriff's office to call this an investigation at this point. Um, there was also a lot of stuff in this story about people from the sheriff's office asking for files on thumb drives and trying to hide stuff from public records requests which is like wearing a shirt that says, I'm not covering anything up, and then getting mad when people ask what you're covering up. Thoughts on this? I don't want to talk about it before, story. Isabel, but I do want to say that that is your commentary on it, and the article does not arrive at any uh, conclusion or motive or anything like that, but I'd be interested in hearing how, how this particular uh, angle on the story came about, Isabel. Um, I was contacted by a lawyer who represents Dr. Fay, and she's also worked with the Washington Coalition for Open Government. So she has a unique interest in this story on the public record side of it and um, transparency side of it. And um, she had heard, we've, I can't remember, have we talked about on the podcast the conversation between Meyer and the pathologist who did the autopsy. I'm sure you can breeze through it. Yeah. Well, she basically the, the person who did the autopsy on, um, Aaron told Meyer in an interview, um, that looked like a postmortem wound to me. And I think, um, somewhere along the line that became something people were considering, not just her, um, and then the dog has been in evidence with the sheriff's office, including when the second necropsy was taken. This is like a really bad explanation because if anybody doesn't know anything, they're going to be totally to re- You lost. have to read the story. And <laughs> beyond that, you should also read some of the links at the end yeah. of the story that link back to previous coverage. But it's- Sorry. Um, anyways... Because the investigation is, like, kind of over, I guess, sort of, um, the dog was released to the family. And with their permission, Dr. Fay, who performed the first necropsy, was like, I'll examine the dog, sees the second wound that the 
other forensic veterinary specialists saw and also supposes that it's possibly postmortem, meaning like it happened to the dog after the dog died. She essentially implies it happens between the two necropsies. And, you know, there's no proof of that. She's just, that's what she thinks happened. Um, and so she sent it to a pathology lab and the lab report does not say conclusively, but very strongly suggests that the wound appears to be consistent with one that would be post-mortem. And therefore, um, Faye and her lawyer have asked the Criminal Justice Training Commission of Washington to investigate the sheriff's office for potentially tampering with the dog as evidence, whether they will do that and actually follow through with an investigation, I'm not sure. And what happens now, I'm also not sure. But the reason that this was reported was because Dr. Fay wanted to share that this was something on her radar and that she was taking a role in basically an independent investigation of what's going on. Uh, another quote from Dr. Fay in the story. Uh, she was on the phone with a coroner detective. Uh, they said, quote, well, this is the story. Apparently this guy was found shot and the puppy was found next to him. The puppy was shot first and then the bullet went into the gentleman and he died. And I remember laughing because that dog wasn't shot. That dog wasn't shot. The dog was stabbed. Uh, I don't know. It just continues to raise questions about the investigation, the case, everything about it. I think there's extreme value in having a professional journalist such as Isabel get this angle on the record rather than it going into the churn of comments from people following the case who may have jumped aboard at different angles. Um, you know, just grabbing it and going with it and just saying it like there's no conclusive like there's no conclusion, I guess I should say, to the story, but at least uh, Isabel reached out to every possible person she could, and I do mean, like, every possible there was a lot person of, she could. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of them panned out and some of them didn't, but it was like, let's take this one questionable aspect of this thing that has many questionable aspects, and let's just dig in on this, and I thought it was really remarkable. I thought it was great. Um, I think some people read it and maybe be confused because it is a lot to follow. Yeah. Um, but I think it was, I think it's important. And I think if something like that comes up again, it, it makes me feel really good to know that you're able to t take it on you and Emily. Um, I'm really glad that I've been able to take any role in the work of this story, but I will say this is like not my fave. <laughs> Don't love it, but it's not I, a tire pile. Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I I will say I probably contacted more people for this story than I ever have for any other. I mean, it was a ton of research. And ultimately, I still wasn't able to give a single answer. I probably raised a lot more questions. Um, and maybe that's part of the job. I'm yeah, not that's really just sure. how it is sometimes, especially something like this. Mm -hmm. And it's it's I keep reminding myself, like, I'm not actually – going to solve the case <laughs> well, <laughs> like not that, with that, attitude. <laughs> that I'm not like a real investigator and that, you know, whatever, no, but you but, bring everybody to the same table is yeah. I think what it's about. You reach out to the people who are really investigators and get as much as you can. And then you put it all together and present what you got. That yeah. was what you did. It was good. 
Uh, next news item. I see so you're cutting you. news items. Are we running long here? We got th- we got a lot of notes today. All right. Uh, Centralia City Council to conduct candidate interviews for vacant seat. This is taking place starting 30 minutes ago. Did you really have to look at your watch? I did. I wanted to make sure I was correct. Uh, this is tonight. They're filling the seat left open when Leah Dayrood stepped down a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Candidates up for interviews in front of the council tonight are... Russell Barr, Jeremy Corwin, Johnny Dunnigan, Amber Ferrano, Elba Garibay, Stephen Hubbard, and Candace Sanders. You guys have a betting favorite? I only know two names on this list, so no. Uh, Jeremy Corwin was the guy that wanted to shoot down drones. No, I know who Jeremy Corwin is. Oh, then I picked Uh, that guy. Yeah. I think I've met him. I'm positive I've met him before as well. So, All right. That's my guy. Okay. They're, They're a big Centralia family. Um, and I, then I know Stephen Hubbard, he's the one who ran, right? When you yeah. said that, I imagined it as va- mob families, like maybe the the Vanderstoops have met up with this family, families. the meeting of the families. Of the, the Corwins? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're, we're friends. No, we, they like, play tennis. That's why yeah, I know that's them. That's what I was going to say, like tennis kids. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, they, you guys were saying off mic before we started that perhaps it was likely they would select somebody tonight. Yeah, that's. I seems think that's slightly. how it's been in the past. Uh, you do the interviews publicly, which is nice. Owen Sexton, our reporter, is over there, um, and then, in my experience, they'll go into an executive session, and it could be quick or it could be take a while. Just kind well, of we just need to go room. out on the roof and watch for the white smoke to come out of oh, sure. city headquarters. Right? It wouldn't be the first time. There was a flood where I couldn't get a call back from the emergency operations center on the second floor of city hall. So I walked out onto our roof and looked across and was just like waving my oh, arm I love as, that. as I called. Nice. Yeah. It didn't work, but I tried it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, gotta admire the commitment. Uh, next news item. No one has claimed the $8.6 million lottery ticket purchased in Rochester. Have we got confirmation on this? I put these. This is a one hundred percent Olympian story. I can't take any credit for it at all. We did run it, um, but it was their story. They even did a nice. I mean, I I didn't know the long list of unclaimed lottery prizes, so it was a fun little write up. And we don't know. No, I haven't heard it. I'm sure the Olympian would report it um, if it happened. But yeah, someone's probably planning on how to spend that eight point six million or forgot about it. Also, they've got to go up to. You have to go to the lottery office if it's any amount over a thousand dollars. And, or maybe it's over 600. Yeah, I think it's over 600. And so it's just a whole thing. You know, you got to go in person. So they're probably just like, ah, it's only been a week. I got time. That's what I would like, do. Ah, I couldn't get time off work to cash this $8.6 million lottery ticket. I no, know for I a fact that. that if that were me, I still wouldn't be like, there the next day, like oh, I, I would. Well, be. you'd have to see some lawyers and like how what you're gonna do with it, all that. Here's what makes me sick to my stomach is on this list of there's a one million dollar Powerball ticket that expired on May 6th after this story was published. So somebody <gasps> could have been a millionaire, not really because of taxes, but had a lot of money and it just went back to the state, which you know makes me maybe sick. They had, maybe they had maybe a maybe a they died. B they gave it to someone who then lost it. Or see they lost it, or maybe <laughs> I don't know why I'm coming up with theories. But also, what if they were like 
had an intervention with themselves you know, or like a God no, moment. No, nobody's doing that. They're That's like, not nah, true. I don't need this. Nobody's looking at a million dollars and being like, oh, this is more I trouble than it's worth. I took a vow of poverty. There was also <laughs> 755000 that expired in January. Oh, God, this is making me sick to my stomach. No, if I had this ticket, I would immediately get in my car and find the hotel closest to the lottery ticket office and <laughs> check in. And as soon as they open in the morning, go in and cash it. And you assholes would never see me again. Yeah, I, that's that's probably what I would do. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You'd send you'd send a telegram, even though to your you children. wouldn't move. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you just got money now, so we can't hang out. I just put a big wall around. <laughs> I got a one thousand dollars Slingo ticket once. Wasn't the wasn't what you spend it on? I gave half to my grandmother, and she spent it on a dentist's office appointment. That's practical. <laughs> I like then, that. <laughs> and then I I don't know. I kept the rest. All right. Well, speaking of windfalls, and the school district defrauded $346,000 in phishing scam. This Why did you phishing, have to do a bit? This is phishing, <laughs> P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. It would be way funnier if it was a phishing scam with an F. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This guy had a lot of fish. He couldn't deliver, though. Uh, <laughs> it was this big. Wait, so it was $600,000 worth of fish. <laughs> Uh, The district announced the fraud in a detailed email to the Chronicle on Thursday. The district also notified the FBI, the state auditor's office, and the Lewis County Treasurer's office, as well as their insurance carrier and financial institution. They're in the middle of a $3 million construction project, and the scammers faked something with that to get the money. I think they requested online payment when they had been giving them, like, handwritten checks. Uh, You know, just bump up your, your online security, folks. Be wary. I know if I was in the Edna School District and this affected me directly, I wouldn't like be apologizing for the district. So this is not apologizing for the district. I will say this is not traditionally how these things come out. Uh, usually yeah. it, it will come out at a, at a school board meeting, and I can tell you, uh, I can count on the like one hand how many Edna School Board meetings we've been at in the last five years. We come out there, maybe we hear about it, maybe we don't. And the district did directly reach out and tried their best to explain step-by-step how it happened, step-by-step how they intend to fix it. And um, I saw the superintendent getting a bit of a hard time online for saying, you know, I accept responsibility. And there was a comment or two that was like, well, that doesn't fix anything. And it's like, but he did take responsibility. And by coming out with it, I think that is admirable. I'm, it's a, you know, for a district that size, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think the district handled it right. And they sought us out too. So I actually reached out to the sports department first. Did they really? Yeah. Well, you know who they trust. <laughs> they asked for an email address, and then I got the, the email. I thought it was nicely done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next item. Oh, boy. Lewis County talks email signatures. One commissioner wants to ban pronouns. So our On email signatures, just not in general. That would make the language well, not difficult yet. to speak. Not yet. <laughs> we should do a no-pronoun episode. Um, well... I was going to say I or you, but I, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not difficult now. business. Uh, so our favorite Lewis County commissioners were just going about their day and discussing a uniform policy for email signatures, which is perfectly fine and professional and all that. And Sean Swope decided it was time to take a stand against pronouns. Um, after debating Helvetica or a serif font, Commissioner Lindsay Pollock asked if pronouns would appear on the last line of email signatures. Swope said no, because it's not county business. 
Well, and then he said, just like it's not county business to list race and. We're, oh, we're, sorry, we're, sorry. we're getting there. Sorry. I read the notes this week. I'm sorry. Uh, Pollock said people prefer to know the gender of the person they're communicating with and reminded them that the name Lindsay is gender, gender neutral. You know, there are plenty of famous female Lindsays. Can you name any famous male Lindsays? Uh, I should, but not off the top of my head. David Kyle Lindsay, but it's not his first name. Uh, Lindsay Hunter, former Detroit Pistons point guard. There you go. There's a certain member of what the Senate. Lindsey Graham. Oh, yeah, that's one. He's fam- I know Swope's familiar with his work. <laughs> um, and then, wasn't Lindsey Buckingham a member of famous rock band Fleetwood Mac? That's what it says here on the internet. There you go. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Scott Bremer then asked Lindsey Pollock, couldn't you just use Mr. or Mrs.? To which she replied, my honorific is Dr. He's a pretty good, pretty good singer there. Also true. Uh, one of the county attorneys said this could be seen as discriminatory to ban pronouns and recommended just kind of, you know, maybe maybe just don't do anything about this. And then Swope went on to make a weird comparison to adding race to your signature block, which kind of came across as something he'd be way too happy to do in order to remind people that he's a straight white man, in all caps. Uh Swope also said he has two close friends named Sean who are women and said it would not bother him to be mistaken for a woman over email, which reminded me of the famous drill tweet. And another thing, I'm not mad. Please don't put in the newspaper that I got mad. (laughs) Uh, Swope continued, the new trend is that people can identify as any age. So why don't we do that too? What I, I, I believe what he's referred to is also known as lying and perhaps identity fraud. Uh, While the commissioners did not come to a conclusion on the pronoun debate, this conversation once again implied that it's perfectly acceptable to show your entire ass in a public meeting. (laughs) This has been another commentary by Aaron Vantile that does not reflect the, uh, well, maybe does. doesn't reflect the views of everyone in the newsroom. (laughs) I don't know. I just, (laughs) I don't know. I watched the video. This isn't my story, so I shouldn't be speaking over Isabel, but uh, I I thought it would just my personal opinion, and I, I try to keep that away, but it just seemed a little surreal to me. It was just like, we got a lot going on around here, and you log into the meeting, and we're talking about that. I, it just seemed a little odd. I don't use pronouns myself, but my name's Eric, so I don't think there's much question. Did you see the comment on this story that was like, can we get the roads fixed? <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of those. Um, yeah, I don't know. Isabel, you were there. Uh, thoughts. You did some also. I wasn't some... actually there, but I, I just watched a recording of the meeting, but yeah. Uh, you also got into the story about Swope's, uh, crusade against queer prom at the college. Yeah. Which I didn't feel like getting into here, but That's if you want to run fine. through it, you're more than welcome. Uh, if you are interested in that, I encourage you to go to Sean's Facebook page and read his post and, you know, enjoy yourself. I, uh, I mean, these two things happened to come up within a week of one another, and I'd already reached out to Centralia College about queer prom because it had become a topic of discussion locally, and also because Sean, this commissioner, posted about it and said something to the effect of, like, this isn't right. Um, so I'd reached out to CC. They'd responded with a statement shortly after our deadline wrapped up on Friday. 
and the event was on Saturday, so I couldn't get it in the Saturday paper. And then he ended up talking about this in like the next public meeting. So I felt like it was thematic and it was a good way for me to also talk about it. Also, I got to use the statement that CC made about the prom. So yeah, that's why it was in there. One thing for me that was just like really, it's just another statement comparison. It was almost the same exact cadence as the goat comment that drew so much ire as far as the, the new trend is that people identify by age. Cause that comment was like, well, what if I want to like, it's, it's just like throwing out something that's kind of outlandish and comparing it to something that's kind of become culturally normal or societally normal. Um, not a criticism, just like it, he definitely owns it now. Um, and when the topic comes up, I think it's more than reasonable for the newsroom to string those things together. Just yeah. to say this, it, it's not like the first time this has come up. Here are some other related issues. Well, and <laughs> on top of that, like as commissioner Pollock pointed out, this isn't even like a, a political stance necessarily for a lot of people. It's literally utilitarian. Like it's, it's like you want to communicate with someone in the virtual world that we live in today. So, oh, now you call the office and say, oh, is Lindsay Pollock there? I need to speak with him. Well, oh, actually that's, she uses the pronoun she. And then, oh, I don't do a mistake again. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't understand. And I kind of had that conversation with Swope over the phone when we talked about it, but he was very firm on the fact that he felt it was more to, he felt it was political and he didn't want to have it in the, the emails because he felt it was political and said kind of like, Oh, well, if we have one straight policy, then either everyone does it or nobody does it. And either way it's divisive. But his seatmate was just suggesting like, can we just have a choice? But anyways, well, so, I, don't I don't know, know whenever, what they'll do. Like whenever I call, you know, say my bank, I make sure to ask, uh, May I speak to a white man of 40 years of age? <laughs> I kind of just try to equate it, and I know government's much clunkier and bigger, but like I dare you. personally can't imagine being like having this conversation at the top levels of the Chronicle on like, hey, are we going to stop employees from doing pro like pronouns? Like, it just seems so small to me, uh, and that's why I was kind of just, again, surreal, get to the end of the meeting, and it's like, we're going to advance this to a future meeting? Like, I, well, it's already got way like, more attention than it needs. I mean, I got, I know we got to fill the time, but there seems like there's a lot of stuff we could be doing. I'm sure the response from any government leader would be like, we're more than capable of juggling one ball at a time. Uh, I, I say there's better balls. Yeah. <laughs> like there's other stuff that could be done, but that's just, again, my own personal opinion. I thought you wrote very fairly and I, it was a, a good story and one that I think needed to be told considering all the stuff happening in that corner of the courthouse. You know, I used to get into a lot of arguments with my father when I was in college about politics, mostly over like healthcare, socialism, you know, the normal stuff that you argue with your Republican dad about. And um, he kind of would say to me like, oh, government could never efficiently run a healthcare system. And I was like, that's not a good enough argument. And then <laughs> I started covering government, <laughs> even on the local scale where it is like supposedly smaller and more efficient. It, it's not to say that I, I don't still 
feel the way that I feel about what is a human right and what isn't, but he was kind of right. <laughs> uh, wow. What an admission. I hope he's a podcast listener. Uh, I doubt that he is. <laughs> uh, very divisive issue, so I think we should like find common ground here. And I think at the end of the day, all we want is a roof over our head. Am I wrong? You know what? You're so right, Schwartz. Absolutely. It binds us together. It holds us. And I think that the one company that does the best job at providing that roof um, whether it's residential, commercial, mobile homes, doesn't really matter, is the roof doctor. What do you guys think? I think if you want to talk to the roof doctor, you should give him a call at 360-736-0246. But don't take my word for it. As a family-owned <laughs> roofing company, <laughs> I didn't want to keep waiting. As a family-owned roofing company, I know that they would understand our want, our desire for common ground, and work with us to find good solutions to the problems with our roofs. I also want to say we haven't pointed out this aspect in all of our uh, analysis of the Roof Doctor and why it is the only company you should be calling to fix that roof of yours. There's also job opportunities at the Roof Doctor, and if you're interested, you should call 360-352-1294. Good to know. Yeah. I wonder if I could get a job at the Roof Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I could do the estimates. I could show up and be like, yeah, that's a, that's a roof. That's a roof, all right. You kind of need a new one of those. One. This is free, right? So I can say any number I want. Do you think they ever show up and like the roof is legitimately good and they just like kind of slap it like an old wooden ship and like, ah, oh, that'll yeah. give you another 20 years. You could call so much rain on this bad boy. <laughs> it's a family-owned company, so they're just like, you can call my son in 20 years. Uh, all right, and with that, we're going to take a break. Hi, this is Jacek from Summit Funding. Here's what a recent client is saying about us. Hi, this is Chad Taylor. Have you been thinking about purchasing or refinancing your current home? The team at Summit Funding is the best in class. Looking for a conventional FHA, VA, USDA, jumbo, or even a reverse mortgage? Trust the team at Summit Funding. Corley and I did, and we couldn't be happier. Thank you to all of our past clients. If you have any questions, give us a call at 360-330-4037. All right, we're back, and it's time for segments. First up, a new commentary from Isabel Vanderstoop. Who smells bad? Isabel, do you want to <laughs> continue? No, you know, I would never say that sort of thing about a person, All another right, we'll, fellow human. We'll get to the, uh, <laughs> well, the debate, but we'll get to the, the real columns here. First up, we've got a special guest commentary from Lewis County Sheriff Rob Snaza titled, Here's what we're doing to ensure yet another murder investigation doesn't get botched. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't read the notes before, so this Leads is just off with the line, fresh for me. <laughs> when the citizens of Lewis County chose me as their sheriff, they entrusted me with the responsibility to keep our communities safe. As part of that mission, dot, 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 just kidding. The actual headline is, we need better funding for programs to keep kids on right path. Snaza really decided his constituents needed to hear from him at this moment and said, this is what they want from me right now. Does sound like a good program, I guess. Yeah, as we were talking about uh, off mic, as you say, uh, obviously this is a contentious time for the sheriff. This particular commentary was sent through a third party, which happens all the time. Um, the program he's advocating for here sent it to us. I'm sure they developed it with him, and he did some writing, and they did some writing. That's just generally how it goes. Um, but we'll, if a public official, elected official, wants to get a message out and they ask to do a commentary, I don't think we've ever said no. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, this was one that would go in. 
And like, it's not a mean spirited commentary or anything. It's just a little strikes me as a bit tone deaf. You're saying uh, if he was going to speak publicly prominently on something, it should be the Aaron Christensen. Yeah. Right. A little, a little room reading may have been in order. Mm -hmm. Just like, just like completely going out of your way to speak in the public without doing anything that's like accountability related. I guess. I could see that in this environment. Uh, Next column, John Krosky commentary, Sheriff O's more information on the Aaron Christensen case. Um, McCroskey writes, other than Aaron, one of the most unfortunate things in this case is the inference that there is somehow a cover-up. Exactly why would that be the case? Nothing I've read, including what is the impetus for such an allegation, adds up to anything close to that. He continues, but given my life experience, I'm not surprised there would be rumors like that. It's not the first time and likely won't be the last because it's human nature. Um, I wish he could muster some of the vim and vigor he usually reserves for hating the libs for this topic. I understand where you're coming from. I always appreciate a former sheriff's uh, perspective on something that is highly like of interest in public in the sheriff's office. And I, I don't know McCroskey super well. I know him though, and I think he's super reluctant to be the retired law enforcement officer weighing in in um, when he doesn't have all the information because probably had a time in his career where he was also criticized or in a similar situation. I appreciated him writing about it, uh, to be honest. I get the wanting to have a stronger take. I totally get that. Um, are, are you referencing a murder that occurred between the years of 1995 and 2005 that was the subject of... Rhonda Reynolds? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that's a fair comparison. Uh, but I, I appreciate that he was kind of pressing the sheriff that he needs to come out and say more, which I think was the point you just made for the last yeah. column. Um, so in that way, you guys are making similar points here. Um it's- we also just don't get columns from him very much anymore. This is like the second one in a couple months, so hopefully we get more soon. I know you're not a huge fan, but... It's funny, there's a point that he doesn't quite stick here that actually the sheriff's office spoke with us about during the last interview that we had with him, which was uh, Field Operations Chief Dusty Breen said something to the effect of, we're not very used to talking a lot during investigations, and we are now learning that like with the social media age, that means people will come out with their own conclusions. That shouldn't have been something that they had to learn. That's frustrating to me because they, they unlearned that they were doing press releases. They were doing Facebook. It was a conscious decision in the middle of social media to stop doing it. So that doesn't hold water for me. Well, if Ethan Asbach would have driven away quickly in a car, you know, we would have gotten a press release about it. I'm just trying to say there's an accountability aspect that is related to the fact that people make inferences on Mm -hmm. a cover. Up. And it is something that I think the sheriff's office actually is keenly aware of, which is like kind of ironic. And not even John McCroskey points that out. I get that. That's a good yeah. point. All right. Uh, anything else you want to cover in letters or anything like that? Or can we go to Sirens Banger of the Week? A uh, quick plug for Julie McDonald writing a series about a 100 year old Toledo <gasps> resident whose grandfather fought in the Civil War, was taken prisoner, was shot. Uh, I'm personally watching a Civil War documentary at home right now, so when I read the column, I did the Leonardo DiCaprio meme of just pointing at the screen. Like, I know that place. I I read about that. I saw war reenactors do that. That's Uh, cool. But no, it's very, very cool, and we've talked about it before, but it's super cool that there's someone here that had a grandfather that fought in the Civil War, and he's, like, telling his stories. I had Julie McDonald just... Just hits my demographic each week. I really enjoy All her bangers. history takes. Yep. They're so good. Those those two stories that she wrote, 
it's like incredibly crazy what they had to go through. The grandfather in like a journal or something talks about literally getting rolled in blood and feathers by the Confederate army and then waking up by his friend. They're covered in blood and feathers. Look at each other and they're like, ha, ha, we look ridiculous. Yeah, they're laughing at each other. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And then just being infested with maggots and yes. like all they could do oh, is pour water on it. <laughs> it's like put some water on it. Oh it's my God. so horrible. Uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's cool to get a firsthand account from the grandpa of someone who lives in Lewis County. It's mm-hmm. really cool after all these years. So, Did anyways. you guys know that my great Great grandfather was in the Civil War. Yes, all of our just great, great, great. No more. That's kind of crazy. But this guy's yeah. just grandfather. Yeah, it was my grandmother's <laughs> grandfather. Well, my dad was in the Civil War. <laughs> okay, it was my grandmother's grandfather, and she passed away a year ago yesterday, and she knew him. That's awesome. I mean, that's a that's a crazy. Con- it's just as crazy as this connection. Which I don't think Julie got into whether the Toledo man knew his grandfather. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I would like to clarify. My dad did not fight in the Civil War. He oh, he didn't. Just, just you know, I don't want to be putting any falsehoods out there. <laughs> uh, Sirens banger of the week. <laughs> this one's fairly mellow, but it was just an item that uh, cracked me up. A subject who was reportedly, quote, vaping, dot, 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 in the dairy department of Walmart on Thursday was trespassed from the business and I thought it was a lot funnier if you write it like panic, exclamation point, at the disco. Vaping <laughs> at the dairy department. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Uh, uh, you know what? It's funny to me. I really was surprised that drew a response. Like, I, I like as stretched as cops are these days, uh, or in your words, as they would say they are these days. Uh-huh. Like, I, I can't believe somebody called and was like, they're vaping in here, and an <laughs> officer showed up. <laughs> was like, hey, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're uh, back never... in my day, kids were smoking in bathrooms, not <laughs> vaping in the goddamn dairy department. It they're never have... far from Walmart, though. You know, the shameless police, they got to be around there all the time. It had to be like one of the, because, you know, there's like the casual vapist, <laughs> to, use, to use your word. That's <laughs> the just, vapist. you know, they're vaping on the down low. But then there are the vapists that have like these very elaborate large vapes and they're just like <laughs> throwing up smoke rings. Like the, this guy must have been putting mods. on a show. <laughs> <laughs> the box mods, yes. Get a subtler vape, dude. <laughs> um. Anyway, people's champion of the week. I've got the three octogenarian friends who relive, relive their childhood with a blurry bike ride around Centralia. Really got to rub that in. No, I I really <laughs> like that story. That really hits the Chronicles wheelhouse. Three 80-year-old <laughs> men. Wheelhouse. Just write, like, hey, we used to ride our bikes. We liked it. We're going to do it again. Our family thinks it's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, as soon as I got that, I threw it in the, the newsroom slack. It's a, it's a good story. That's yeah. a that's, that's a Chronicle story. It just strikes me as, like, if they made a movie, it'd be, like, Morgan Freeman and Michael Douglas and Michael Caine riding oh, yeah, bikes around town. And, that's the gang. Yeah. Ah, family doesn't want us out to you. They were so sweet, these gentlemen. They're just so funny. Um, I had a really nice time talking to them. And then at the end of it, um, Vern Nelson, the one who gave us the tip, was like, oh, so would you like a story about John Turnow? And to my great surprise, I knew who that was. It's the wild man of the Wainucci. And I was like, "I." this is a normal conversation between me and an 82-year-old person, but yeah. to explain this to most other people would just be so weird. I should pass it on to Michael at the Daily World. I told him I would do the story. Yeah. He, I, I love the wild man story. Yeah, so. his um, 
cousin was killed by John Turnow. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he you know told about me the he wild was man about it. I, I don't know about oh, the wild man. man. That's what you I was thinking. You gotta do the story then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I was thinking was just like, this is too weird a thing. I don't know how we're like connecting about this, but we were. You just know that when these three dudes were riding their bikes around and 80 years old, like around where they went to Edison Elementary School, one of them was like, yeah, remember an old old Beverly Olson <laughs> right over there? I hope we don't have a listener named Beverly Olson, <laughs> just the name you pulled out of the air. Oh, I also forgot to put this in the story, um, and I'm just remembering it right now. But the building across from Edison used to be a hospital, and w- at least like one or two of those gentlemen were born in that hospital. Uh, fun fact: I lived in that former <gasps> no hospital. Way. Yeah, I've lived in about twenty places in Centralia over time, That's and that cool. was one and of them. You yep. should write a column about that. About all the places <laughs> yeah. I've lived. Oh, it's- yeah, write about all the hospitals you've lived in that weren't in Centralia. Oh, hey, don't be such a jerk. <laughs> That's a joke. That was a good joke. Uh, let's see. Facebook comments of the week on Sheriff Snaza's column on a program called Fight Crime, colon, Invest in Kids. This commenter said, yeah, you don't want a bunch of Ethan Asbox running around shooting people, do you? Oh, come on. Was this supposed to be funny? And then another, I thought it was pretty funny. And then another comment, for reading this, I can't tell what they do or how they do it, but they require more funding to keep infants and toddlers from a life of crime. And then there's another one that was just a gif of Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons typing on his imaginary typewriter before telling Homer to leave. Maybe it was Marge. Uh, on a story about a Napavine Iwako baseball game, this commenter said, are you saying they're winners and losers? That won't go over well with the woke crowd, LOL. <laughs> I see that comment all the time in the most random of places. It's always a sports story. And it's just like, we've never stopped having winners or losers in prep sports. <laughs> not ever. Not in hundreds of years. Oh, they get it really in, though. funny. Uh, do you guys want to hear some comments on? Hold on. Whoops, war on pronouns. Uh, no, I don't. I never those want to are, hear comments. Those are problematic. I'm Period. Fine. We're getting rid of those. Those are gone. Those are gone. Uh, the only other one I had was on McCroskey's Snaza column when somebody said, "This is the same sheriff that was in there when Ronald Reynolds' case got botched. He's writing from experience. He knows how to get things covered up." SMDH stands for shaking my damn head. Uh, Isabel will like this comment because I saved it in, I'm going to be earnest for a moment. Joy Rakes wrote on the octogenarian story. She wrote, uh, that is so sweet. I always wish to recreate experiences with my siblings and friends growing up on Circus Street, which as we know, is on the Wanch Prairie by Oakview School. I love the memories growing up then, the bike rides to Schaefer Park. Uh, Eureka Avenue was the best because of the bumps from tree roots. Climbing fences to each other's house, camping in the yard, roller skating and pogo ball on the driveway, picking flowers for May Day, picking blackberries along the streets. Anyways, it goes on and on. That's so sweet. But as the father of two young children are currently living this lifestyle, I came home yesterday and there was a young nine-year-old girl wallowing around in the rainwater in the street, just like laying there. <laughs> and then my kids ran out to try to join her and they're just doing that all the time. They're out riding their bikes, I playing, love that. fighting, climbing yeah. fences. Yeah. I so. love Joy. I used to work with her at... Cascade Elementary. Well, there is still joy on the Wanch Prairie. The next one up. I can't remember. Just not on your street, Aaron. Uh, Oh, no. I'm I'm stomping that out as quick as it pops up. 
You've got like the perfect place for the old curmudgeon that lives like way off the beaten path. I'm very much you that don't guy. like bug him. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you are. I'm well and set back on the road. Fits yeah. that too. Uh, yes, he's very much a mean old man's dog. Yeah. If he got caught on a rail cam, someone would accuse your dog of being a mythical creature of some sort. I think he was a bear, probably. Rail <laughs> cam? <laughs> he kind of moves like trail one. cam. <laughs> There's no way that thing, a dog's that fat. Uh, what's uh, what's in the next edition, which I assume will be delivered to mailboxes? Uh, yeah, we're really hoping so, too, Sound Publishing. Hope you pull that through. We uh, have some coverage of the Rob Fuller Scholarship event that happened today. Um, we'll is have that top 25 from WFS in Centralia, right? Yes, it's. I believe it's at the same banquet. I'm not 100% sure that the Rob Fuller scholarships go to the top 25. There's a bunch of scholarships that go out to varying uh, members of the top 25. Okay. So we'll have that in the roundup. Okay. Were, you, were you a top 25-er? No, no way. Really? Are you kidding? <laughs> mm-hmm. also, Did you think I was a good student? That's so nice. Things we didn't talk about. Uh, if special session fails, Lewis County like, likely to harshen drug law. Another oh, Isabel yeah. story. Um, that's in today's paper, so we're not... Looking out to the next one, we've got spring youth fair photos, which were fantastic, I thought. Lots of local kids in there with their animals. And I have found Lewis County likes few things more than they like seeing like 4-H FFA kids with their animals at the spring youth fair. Or I mean, the same. Fair. They love yeah. it. Yeah, people always it. like that. Had some good courtesy photos. Uh, and then uh, beloved local chef passes away, benefit plan for his family. This is about uh, Justin Ames uh, and... You were you and I used to go to the hub in the day when it was Tim Filer and Justin Ames there just all the time. So yeah, I think a lot chef. of people have that experience. There's a benefit that's going to be held for him um, to support his young daughters. So I think you should look that story up and consider attending. Um, and then Dangerous Dogs. We had another oh, Dangerous yeah. Dog roundup. And I loved this one because you had a family that got attacked by the dogs begging that the dog not be killed in the dead board uh, chair, basically being like, well, you don't have to. And like you guys, it was a good ending. I hate how sometimes they just end with a a dog that made a bad decision. He had such a good quote. It was like, um, (laughs) not a bad dog. It was a bad decision. (laughs) It was something to the effect of like, your friendship sounds like a good one. It doesn't have to end, and neither does the dog. I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to make it in the story It was good. Sure. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I, I love that we're continuing, we, you, to cover the dog justice in Lewis County, because I think it's important, <laughs> and I don't think you get that. I don't see that in any paper we cover that is following dogs that attack people and other animals and how it ends up. Well, I think there's, I think eventually, I don't know if it will be me or someone else, but there will be a story about how rural America suffers from more dog bites than they should because this is a place where dogs run free and in the city you don't just have that most of the time. And then like also, yeah, I don't know. I think I think that maybe one day I'll write about the trends that come along with it, but also I think it's just a weird and interesting phenomena that happens in this part of the world so not just dog bites but dog court final comment i'm really looking forward to sports dump and a lot of fun sports stuff going on oh yeah sports yeah the sports guys are killing it and there's some some wild that two a softball man that's got me going it's real wild it's (laughs) hilarious i can't wait to get off of this tanking when's (laughs) the next new when's the next sports dump uh we're doing it thursday all right there you go I can't wait to get off of this and go find out how all the Evco girls did in sub districts for tennis. 
Me either. I always hated that they called it sub-districts and not just the league meet. I mean, it is league. Like, you can call it that if it's you want. It's called the league meet. It's you, the EFCO meet. You can call it that. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Calm down, Aaron. It's really, you know what? Um, Grinded my gears. I This is, like, gone stale now, but I just wanted to say that after doing a bunch of dog court stuff in one week, where, including one where a dog was killed, and then doing all the stuff about Buzzo and those were all like happening at the same time. I have never been so happy to see alive dogs. So if you want to send me pictures of your cute dogs, you can have please, my Corgi. Please do that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> jerk. Hate that guy. Uh, if you can load Ralph into a car, you can take him, but good, good luck. <laughs> Ralph is not cute. <laughs> <laughs> the most hideous dog I've ever seen in my life. Oh uh, yeah. For those but- who, have not heard this story. At least I he's showed, mean. <laughs> I showed my mom a picture of Ralph, and she goes, "Oh, he's awful." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then yeah. said, "I don't know if I could love him." Oh my <laughs> gosh! I love Ralph. I, he's got a he's got a winning personality. Oh, I yeah, think about it all the time. And he's it's not trying so to funny. marry your leg, uh, marry your leg. Yes, my leg. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about. Uh, to reveal who Centralia's new city councilor is. Stay tuned.